On today's episode of Hardwood Hot Takes, we have the final episode before March, but we're discussing a a weekend and and a week that that kind of felt like a a little bit of a preview for March, as well as kind of a, a mixed week for Tennessee. We will get into all of that in just a moment. All right, welcome back to Hardwood Hot Takes, episode 17 of season two. First full season, but the first season was, was kind of a mini season, so I don't even know. How many episodes did we do last year? We ten, did. 10, I think, 12? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think we did close so to like yeah. 8 or 10. We're nearing, we're nearing the 30 episode range, I don't know. Um, anyways... Got a lot to talk to talk about. Like I like I mentioned, uh, this this weekend kind of felt like March with all the the crazy things that happened in the buzzer beaters, and we'll get all into all of that in in just a second because I think what happened there is is probably more exciting than what happened to Tennessee. But we have to start with Tennessee, like always, and and the first of those two games was a, a road loss to Texas A and M, sixty eight, sixty three. A game that, that is caveated by the fact that, that Julian Phillips and Josiah Jordan-James were not active, um, but still a, a road loss to, to, a, to a decent Texan team. Like, you're not complaining, but it, it's not the result you wanted when you're, when you're trying to fight for a, a, a top seed in the SEC tournament. Yeah, what disappoints me about this one uh, is not exactly who we lost to. I mean, Texas A&M is a good team, especially at home in Aggieland. They're always going to yeah at full force but obviously yeah, their crowd's annoying yeah they're really really annoying if you're not a texas a&m fan you hate them with a passion. you're normal if you're not a texas it's A&M true fan. You're, you're not a cult member and yeah. with this one it was really frustrating obviously with the free throws texas a&m shot 34 we yeah. only got 10 of 14 but what really frustrated me about it was just the late game decision making i really felt like there were some really stupid plays especially that kamwa three where he just jacked it up out of nowhere with like there was still like ten seconds left on the shot clock. It was probably the stupidest shot I've seen in a while from a Tennessee player. And yeah. that might be saying a lot, honestly, because sometimes our players take some pretty bad shots, but uh, the decision making was just poor and Rick Barnes doesn't call his timeouts in the final minutes. It's always interesting. Yeah, I mean this was disappointing because it felt like Tennessee had a chance to get in and Dom, you're right about the whole free throw situation. I mean every single time it felt like Texas A&M got the ball in the lane, they were going to the free throw line. And you didn't have that on the other end, not because they weren't calling it, but because Tennessee could never get there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just felt like Zakai and Santi were the only guys taking shots. And, of course, not having Julian and Josiah in the game, that's where that hurts you because you have more guys to give the ball to when you need to get shots up. Yeah, I mean, Julius Marble killed us, you know, on the drive and, and down low and 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 uh, and – and and Jonas uh, tried to weather that storm, but not having your your two best forwards in there is is really going to hurt you on that front when they have a, a dynamic guy like that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I think the free throws are a thing to mention. I think this team offensively without Josiah Jordan James, you guys disagree with me earlier last week saying that he wasn't the most important person. I think after. What we saw this past week, I think yeah. you can argue he is. But definitely. Yeah, he, uh, he definitely proved me wrong for sure, which I'm happy about, of course. But I I didn't really see him kind of coming back the way he did. We'll have to get into that here in a minute. Yeah, it was definitely pretty surprising. I mean, because he, he is a rangier guy than, of course, Santi and Zakai. And, you know, he can score both inside and out. And that's something that not a lot of guys can do for Tennessee. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that game was disappointing. I mean, I don't know how much you you want to yeah, write into a- it. A and M's got a chance to win the conference regular season title too. So uh, not really anymore. Well, no, but uh, Alabama's pretty much got locked up because Texas and M lost yeah, to Mississippi State. If they but, can beat uh, Auburn, which they should, so yeah. Anyways, um, the other game again, the, why I said this week wasn't super exciting. That game's kind of not great, and and then you get a turnaround that that. Is good for this team, you know, in, in a 85-45 win over South Carolina at home, obviously the, the second 40-plus point win over a single team in the season, which I believe has not happened before. I think in SEC play is the first time that that's ever happened. So an impressive feat, but, but watching this game, I don't know if it felt like that much of an impressive feat. I think the things you, you took away from this game were, one, how important Josiah Jordan-James is to this team, two, how much better our offense is when our defense is clicking. You know, you saw that in kind of the second half when this defense was able to just smother South Carolina. The offense flourished as well. And I think the third thing was when, when guys like like Plavschik, I can never say his name right, when when Uros, and, and when Uros or Jonas gets going down low and has success down there, it helps us space out the floor a lot more and we get these more open threes and mid-range shots, and that's what we saw. So a lot of good things that we, that we saw this game, but uh, – you know, a team that we beat by 40 twice, so I don't know if it's necessarily the best measuring stick. Although, that team did take Alabama to a super close game. In overtime. In overtime previously, so maybe they're not as bad as you'd think. But uh, definitely a lot to be be happy about there in the South Carolina game. Yeah, honestly, I'm really happy about this one. And it was a fun one to be at. It was The guys just dominated this one throughout the game. And Josiah Jordan-James coming back was really cool. He was able to perform exceptionally well. Probably is that might have been his best game of the season so far. He looked really good throughout this game. And I really liked what you were saying too about Uros because he was especially dominant down low in this one. And just being able to make some post moves down low and get the ball to go in, it was really pretty. And this is just kind of what happens when this Tennessee team makes their threes too. I mean, ten of twenty three from beyond the arc, it it changes the outcome of the game a lot because usually this Tennessee team struggles with the three at least in the games they're not doing so hot in but you know this is just a preview of what's to come if this team's able to consistently knock down threes yeah this definitely had a bit of a non-conference feel to it just kind of that boringly delightful kind of vibe around the game but like you guys are saying Josiah Jordan James has proved his worth to this team and you know it was fun for me because his mom always sits like in my vicinity uh for the games and she was like one section to my left so course she got to see him go back in and play a great game so that was that was cool to see but uh other than that I mean obviously you guys are saying Euros was great and I, th- I think he was in this game and then Jemai Meshack I thought really looked good mm-hmm. offensively yeah Jemai is kind of emerging as a potential yeah. like really important player for because this team he's he's kind of like a second coming of Josiah Jordan James you know he's there defensively the shots just need to fall Mm-hmm. Now the shots are starting to fall for him, and that's good for him. Yeah, I think some really important things are really starting to click, at least in this game. Hopefully that continues, but if if all continues like this, we should be one of the best teams in the entire league, with no doubt. And I do like to point out, too, that Gigi Jackson, South Carolina's best player, only putting up five points. Yeah, I five mean, points on the entire season against Tennessee. Yeah, and I, Because he didn't score in the first game. I was in the uh, the press conference after the game, and I, I actually asked South Carolina's coach, you know, what he thought Tennessee's defense did specifically, you know, to shut down their leading score and Gigi Jackson, who 
only had five points across both games. And to be honest, I didn't get a great answer out of him. You know, in a, in a loss, you're, you're not always <laughs> going to get the best answers. But, you know, he kind of just mentioned Tennessee's just ability to kind of force them to take bad shots. Uh, he, he said he felt like they were just taking a lot of bad shots, and that's kind of what happens when this team gets in trouble. And he felt like Tennessee's defense kind of caused havoc and, and made them start chucking up shots that they, they usually probably wouldn't take. So that's that's definitely part of it is, you know, especially in a freshman like Gigi Jackson, when you're facing a defense that's probably tougher than most defenses you've faced, you're going to kind of get a little nervous and, and do things you normally wouldn't do, kind of those freshman mistakes. Um, but, but all in all, I mean, I think – you know, I mentioned those takeaways earlier, but uh, also still waiting on a, a Julian Phillips return, and, and obviously Tyreek Key didn't even play in that game either. That was just kind yeah. of a, a one-time ankle flare-up, uh, according to Rick Barnes. He should be be back and ready to go um, by Tuesday. They didn't really know what caused that, but but better safe than sorry, especially against South Carolina. Phillips is a is a hip flexor thing. Expecting him to be back for the SEC tournament, but uh, not 100% on amount of minutes he's going to be able to play. Hip flexor is obviously a weird injury. This kind of just something you have to play by ear. No, no real full timeline on that, but hopefully getting some solid minutes out of him in the SEC tournament. Um, and then the the, the last thing uh, from this game, our guy uh, Zay Sulak with the and one yep, three the in, in garbage time. <laughs> yep. Good to see that, especially with a, a senior guy. Getting getting the chance to to shine in one of these later season games, yeah, it's it's always funny at the end of the game just seeing all the white boys come in and <laughs> Isaiah Sulak he looked great in his little uh, his little fun time in the yeah. garbage time. Yeah, you got to take those shots when you uh, get the opportunity to when you come in and he did that and it was enjoyable to watch. Bench went wild too. Oh, you yeah. can tell you can tell this team really cares about yeah. each other, which that that was one thing I really liked about that at the end is that everyone was hyped for the bench guys score. Yeah. And and you honestly I feel like with Tennessee you don't see that as much just because of the style we play in these kind of defensive games we're not blowing teams out very often so you, there's not a lot of situations where you're super comfortable, you know, kind of putting in walk-ons in the last couple minutes of the game, but uh this game was was a situation where that that was the case and and hopefully we can uh, we can handle Arkansas next week and um, and, uh, and and see some of those those senior walk on guys get in, in in that game as well. Um, but moving on, we'll talk to talk about some of the other games that happened uh, around the the country this week. Like I said, I think uh, there were some more exciting things that happened outside of the the Tennessee and, and SEC realm of things. I I, I guess I I gotta start with what happened to to Michigan State this week um was shaping up to be a very good week and and then uh and then Saturday happened uh, Michigan State takes on Iowa at noon uh has a 10 point lead with uh, just under a minute to go and finds a way to lose 112-106 in overtime this was a game that that felt different the entire way through Michigan State's not a team that scores a bunch of points they were scoring a bunch of points this game I believe once it got down to it, I don't know the final thing, but I believe they shot over 80% from three in this game, which is an insane number, and I believe the highest – it was 85 the last time they said something about it, but I didn't see the final. If one of you want to pull that up. Yeah, um, uh, Michigan State was 11 of 15 from beyond the arc, so 73.3%. Yeah, which is one of the, the higher three-point percentages of the season uh, with you know over 10 shots taken. Um it felt like everything was going in for both these teams and quite literally in the last minute, obviously Michigan stayed up 10 
and they let Iowa get back into this thing. But I don't even want to say they let Iowa get back into this thing because that's not what happened. When you see this, you think, oh, Michigan State did something bad. They really didn't. So in that stretch, it's not they only turned the ball over one time, and it was just like a, a botched inbounds play. And uh, Iowa didn't even score initially off that. They actually got fouled, so it wasn't even they got a three off that. We only missed one free throw down the stretch. Iowa just made five threes in a row. Like, we fouled, they knocked down a three. Or they fouled, we made both free throws and knocked down a three, and just one point by one point, they, like, got back. So it wasn't even a big mistake. It was maybe defensively you could say it was a mistake. Um, But they get back into it. Then uh, the one free throw miss comes at a, a vital situation. Up three, missed the free throw, or sorry, up two, missed the free throw to to give them the chance to to win it on a or sorry yes up the I'm, there's a, a lot happened these last couple of minutes um up three a chance to make it four to kind of put it away with uh, whatever five six seconds left missed the the first free throw of that whole time aj hogger misses it they go down we try to foul but uh are, are the guy um it was tyson walker and joey hauser at the top uh joey hauser gets screened and Tyson Walker is just not able to foul. They get a three-pointer off, make it, goes overtime, and then overtime, you know, they had the home crowd and, and kind of got it there. But uh, it's a weird situation because I can't even be that mad because we didn't really do that much wrong. Iowa was just out of their mind. Yeah, and Iowa, their basketball team is a lot like their football team. They only like to put three points on the board at a time. Uh, <laughs> Iowa shot 17 of 36 from beyond the arc, which that's insane. Had being able to shoot that many threes in a game, they got 15 offensive rebounds. So I guess, I guess the ball kind of bounced in their favor in this one. Just if you're going to shoot that many threes, the boards are going to be a lot more wild. So I would, I don't, I don't really like how they play. To be honest, if I was a fan of them, I'd be kind of frustrated. But they are really exciting to watch as a neutral party, just because of how many threes they jack up, and it leads to really, really wild style of play for them. You know what, Dom? I'm going to have to disagree with you about how Iowa basketball plays like their football team well yeah they score way more points (laughs) they do than their football team does uh but still just three at a time yeah yeah it is it is three at a time you're right but like keegan's saying if you're michigan state you can't be too upset other than like i guess defense with this game i mean and and even the way the way you shoot like that like those threes were a little more open that than what you wanted to but be. But some of them were contested, weren't they? Yeah, no. Yeah. Most of them were, like, it's not like they were wide open. They were yeah. somewhat contested. But, like, that's what you're planning to do. You don't want to overplay and let them, like, it's just, you just you just don't expect a team to make five, no. five three-pointers in a Absolutely in less than a not. I mean, um, but th- this game was was pretty important because um, it, it was a game that, uh, that allowed Iowa, basically the winner of this game, was going to have a shot to get the double buy, and, and the loser wasn't going to. Um, neither team are locked for double buys. Either way, I would have to win out, and then Michigan or Indy. Like, it's not like winning this game locked them one, but it was it was big for seeing. But otherwise, both these teams are still tournament teams at this point. But, uh, you know, I, I think if your Michigan State doesn't hurt you too much, especially, no. which, which we'll move to this next while we're on it, Michigan State does beat Indiana earlier in the week at home huge win that was kind of the game that that cemented uh their tournament presence a 15.8065 domination of of indiana yeah this one was really really key for michigan state especially here towards the end of the season where people are starting to question if they would be able to quite make the tournament there's a there's a little bit of a question 24 in a row 
There's no questions. I mean, there's a little bit of a question there, but at least how seeding goes. And Tyson Walker has just continued to be amazing for Michigan State, and he has been that guy in both of these games. He was able to put up uh, more than 20 points. And the Iowa game, I believe he got around 30, and then in this one he put up 23. Just yeah. He's Him, been killing yeah, it. Yeah, Tyson Walker and Joey Hauser yeah. were the, the, the two big guys. He's, he's the reason why they got in this game to begin with, because I remember they were down at the beginning beginning of the game I think by like eight or nine and then Tyson just started hitting all those threes and then of course they go off there toward the end but I mean Keegan I I told you this on the Friday show that we do live but um you know if you're Indiana it's just an unfortunate situation to be in because like literally the entire country is rooting for Michigan State after a tragedy happened on their campus so I mean I I know Tennessee's been in a similar situation before it's just uncomfortable if you're the opposing team yeah, and uh, and Indiana wasn't down bad for too long as they beat number five Purdue on the road, seventy nine seventy one, sweeping Purdue for the first time in a very long time. Huge win for them and huge loss for Purdue. They're not out of the one seed yet, but they're no. getting there. Because if they win the Big Ten tournament, it's it's pro- it's probably still in the cards. Uh, but it, it definitely hurts their chances if they don't win the Big Ten tournament. They they have no shot at the one seed anymore. Yeah, Purdue's looking at the best possible way to make an exit because the the last stretch for them has just been pretty miserable. And I mean, what's really concerning to me, if if I were to be a Purdue fan, which God forbid I never would be, but the fact that Zach Eady continues to get his in these games and it's just the other players around him aren't able to step up and help him win the game, that's mm. what's concerning because Zach Eady's still putting up really good stat lines. I mean, against Indiana, he got 16 boards, 3 assists, 26 points. You can't ask for much more out of him, and so you really got to look to your other guys to just be able to help him out and get the win. Yeah, I think Alabama at Houston was probably the most impressive win that we've seen out of anybody this year. I would put this one at number two overall, like on the most impressive win scale for Indiana getting that win at Purdue because, of course, Mike Woodson is now, what, 3-0, and 3-1 and against Purdue, something like that. And it wasn't because of Trace Jackson Davis. It was Jalen hood Shafino that yep. was carrying in this game. He had 35 points. Yeah, he basically just brought himself not that he wasn't there before but cemented yeah. his lottery pick status uh it'll be interesting because i think uh indiana next year i don't know what their recruiting class looks like but they're going to lose these two guys and they are going to be in a bad spot um staying in the big 10 kind of last thing we'll talk about the big 10 northwestern drops a pair of games to to illinois and maryland tough losses for them i mean illinois and maryland are good teams but uh, losing two in a row after being hot and getting in the rankings is is tough. You um, know, I I don't know about Illinois though because they just lost to Ohio State yesterday. I can't tell with Illinois; they're all over the place. <laughs> uh, but you know, Boo Boo, he had a great game here. He had thirty five. Not so much against Maryland though. He only had four against Maryland, I believe. So, uh, you know, maybe Northwest. I, I think Northwestern's a good team, but they do rely a lot on him and both both him and Chase Aldige. They rely rely a little more on than they should, and they mm-hmm. don't really have a big dude that they can feed the ball to. Yeah, and I feel like Northwestern and Maryland honestly just swapped spots this week, where last week Northwestern was super hot, and they were looking like the team that's kind of coming out of nowhere, and then all of a sudden Maryland is back in it with their really good week. Yeah, and uh, and, and before this week, Northwestern was was sitting on the the sixth line in in most things. I I don't think they dropped too far. Maybe they're sitting in the seventh seed right now, but can definitely play their way back into that that six seed maybe even five seed conversation with the good ncaa tournament with 
which with or with a good Big Ten tournament with which with uh, those are two very similar words that are confused in my brain. Um, with a guy like Boo Booey, uh, they are poised to to make a tournament run. So I could see them kind of making it further than expected in the Big Ten tournament. Um, but uh, but that's it for the Big Ten. Um, again, they're they're a conference that uh, that has a lot of teams in the tournament, but but no real aces right now. But I, I think they're still sitting in a spot where they'll have nine, maybe even ten teams in the tournament. Moving on, um, we can we can talk a little Big East action here. Villanova getting a I don't even want to say much needed because they're basically out of the tournament, barring a a Big East title. Um, but uh, I guess maybe a confidence booster win against a number 19 Creighton 79-67. They got a couple of confidence boosters because they yeah. won at Xavier too. Yep. It was a good week for Villanova. Uh, very surprising, honestly, because they while they have a lot of those great players from last year's team, they obviously still don't have Colin Gillespie and Jay Wright. But those two wins, though, I mean, they – We'll we'll see what what it does for them down the stretch because we saw Georgetown go on a run a couple yeah, of years ago in yeah. the Big East tournament. So you just don't know. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, but those wins don't matter. Like even if they I, yeah. if they so I think if they won all the rest of their games, they made it all the way to the championship of the Big East. They lose by one point. I don't. I still think they. Yeah, don't no, make the they don't make the tournament if they yeah. make it there and lose. What's interesting to me though it really is. Matter. It, I think these wins do matter, though, a lot to the program just yeah. because... Uh, Maybe look at a higher CIBC trying, seat or something. Trying but. to prove yeah. that they're still there. Yeah, it, it shows recruits that they're still a really solid basketball program. They can still win the big games, and they're not too far gone just yet. And what was really impressive in these two wins is that uh, it was two different guys going off in both these games. Eric Dixon in the one against Creighton, he put up 31 points. And then uh, in the game against Xavier, uh, Justin Moore with 25. So it it shows that this team has different players that can get it done when it needs to happen, but they are pretty much out of contention. Yeah. Uh, still don't know why Jerry retired. I mean, good for him. He does like Fox Sports now. But, CBS. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, he's with thing. Jim Nance. I feel like he, he had a little longer in him, but uh, but I guess maybe he was done with the, the whole NIL and recruiting and all that. Um, what else we have in the in the Big East? We have UConn uh, beating Providence, eighty seven sixty nine. Good win for UConn. Again, this is a conference kind of beating itself up at, at that that kind of top level, but uh, good win for UConn. They they've been pretty hot. Um, I think they won their game this weekend as well. I think they went two and zero this week. Yeah, so. they played St. John's and I think won yeah. a pretty high scoring game. They, so they're up to to four. <laughs> 14 in the AP yeah, poll, so it's, good it's a good them. week for them. I mean, they had obviously had that little cold stretch in Big East play, but you get those two wins. Those are good confidence builders going into Big East tournament play here in a couple weeks. Yeah, UConn's coming back and looking really hot again, kind of how they did earlier in the season. And with this UConn team, just of note, I, I always see them getting like 50 points and a half. So this is a team that just has the potential for an offensive explosion. Yeah. It's just a matter of if they're able to have that because their defense doesn't ever seem to quite hold teams to that few of points. Yeah, I'll predict right now they'll have the offensive explosion in the first game of the NCAA tournament when they're playing like a 13 seed and they'll score like 108 points. And then the second game they'll like be tired and, and lose to like a six seed or whoever. I don't know what's – you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I understand what you're going for they'll, there. They'll, they'll they'll use that, that good offense and that yep. good karma in the wrong situation. Uh, last one in the Big East, uh, Marquette, who's who's been the, the top of the Big East, 
wins on the road at Creighton, two losses on the week for Creighton, which I believe dropped them out. Yeah, dropped yep. them out of the AP poll. Yeah. Probably dropped them back to the seven, eight seed line. Uh, tough week for Creighton, but a good win for Marquette, who now kind of has a chance to push for a one seed if they want to. I mean, if that they, that just feels like such a fraudulent one seed, though. If they were to do that, yeah. But I mean, I don't know if they if they win if they win the Big East tournament at yeah. this point, they are a one seed. I think. Yeah. yeah, I'm inclined to agree. And I was telling you guys about Marquette that this is a team when they're playing important games, they tend to win them. Uh, Marquette just always is able to step up to the plate and get the job done. It. Uh, early forecast for me, I really like this team in the tournament. I don't see them winning at all, but I really see this team going deep. They've just been able to prove I, themselves. I think Sweet 16 is fair. They've got a couple guards on that team that really are impressed me. I think that what's the guy's name? Cam Jones, that's a pretty good shooter. And then Tyler Kolek is one of the best assistants in the country. So they've got the guys that, you know, they can, can take them on a little bit of a tournament run, but it just doesn't feel like a team that's going to win at all. I don't think. I wouldn't say win at all, but I, I really see them making a run because uh, they have so many impressive wins on their resume. I, I'm going to go back and dig for some of them, but obviously all the big East wins for them has been really impressive. They've picked up a lot of rank win, ranked wins, and their losses aren't the worst. Uh, as we've been observing this team all year long, they, they've impressed me a lot so far. Yeah, and... I mean, Mushaka Smart, you know, at at the helm of that team, he's obviously a guy who has been to a Final Four in, in that kind of uh, Cinderella run with VCU, which is good. He's a guy who's been there before, made the run before. But he was at Texas for, what was it, six seasons, seven seasons? Yeah. Didn't get those guys passed around to 64. Yeah. I think he just needed a fresh start at Marquette. I mean, it's though. been – the last time he got a team past the first weekend was 2011. And he's oh, been VCU, at, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean – He's a guy who, with bigger programs, wasn't able to get anything done in March, so I don't know how much trust you can really have in him. Yeah, I mean, their best win this season, though, was against Baylor, uh, the number seven team right now, 96-70. to 70. So I, even though he hasn't had much success in March in the past, I don't think that ever means really anything in the tournament. Mm, I disagree. Like, I think it means a little bit. There's an element of it, but yeah, at the you same... Could, you could be Fran McCaffrey. Yeah, at the same time, I just... I really think that any team can win, especially this season. I mean, give me give me Tom Izzo with a seven seed over Rick Barnes with a two seed in March. I would uh, like it, if I just saw that, I would bet Tom Izzo goes farther. Does I think experience in March matters a lot? But I think that's, that's a me. fair assessment. Um, all right, we'll go to the Big Twelve. Definitely, kind of the conference where where a lot happened. Um, ooh, actually, sorry. One thing I want to mention before we go to the Big 12, we forgot this in the Big 10 because neither of these teams are really that relevant right now, but uh, Hunter Dickinson buzzer beater against Wisconsin was was pretty hey, exciting. No handshake, though, that we know of. No crazy handshake. Yeah. No, uh, no, no suspicious activity after that nope. game. Uh, uh, he did post. He did post after that game. He posted a picture of uh, Jake Paul in a ski mask. That's a little odd. That good for him, I guess. Jake Paul isn't he an isn't he a Michigan alum? I don't know. He's from Ohio. Definitely not. The the Commanders just released Carson Wentz. This is super random, but they just released Carson Wentz. What? Yes, that's awesome. (laughs) It is awesome. Yeah, I don't know why I just randomly got that notification from Schefter, but yeah, they released Carson Wentz. 
Wait, no, this might actually... Uh, no, so this is actually a picture of Hunter Dickinson in a ski mask, but it was, like, emulating Jake Paul walked out in a ski mask to something, and he, he was, like, recreating the picture. But the picture is actually... I'll show you. This, it's of Hunter Dickinson in the ski mask wearing a chain. Uh, the irony. <laughs> and, then after, so and, then a, and then after the game, uh, you know, he was talking about the all, you know, we're not supposed to be here or whatever. I told you guys, even though they went one and one against Wisconsin and they were both close games. But uh, that's so stupid. I uh, Michigan is such a bum program right now, <laughs> basketball wise. They're still a tournament team at this point, I think, um, especially after that win. But uh, anyways, to the Big 12, we'll start with Kansas. Uh, they beat TCU 63-58, continue to roll. I believe they're still number three in the country because uh Houston, Alabama didn't lose, but I think Kansas is deserving over those two teams right now, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Tucker's guy doesn't get it done, though. Yeah, not, it, not it a good stinks. look for him. It not stinks, but him. hey, he, he cleaned things up this weekend, though. He had a nice 24-point performance on the road against a, an, an inspired Texas Tech team. So uh, it, this, this is a tough loss. I didn't expect Kansas to lose to TCU twice in one season. Uh, you know, TCU, they, they played their hearts out in this game, but Kansas is really looking to me like a one seed right now. Yeah, Kansas has been remarkably impressive this season, especially considering the level of competition they have had to face in the Big 12. There's no doubt in my mind that they they should be, honestly, I, I think they're number one overall. I don't like Houston enough to give them that spot. I think that Kansas has just been more impressive and they have way better wins. Yeah, I mean, if if Kansas, Baylor, Texas, those are probably the three that they could get the. I, I think if either of those three teams, if those three teams win out and then win the Big Ten or win the Big Twelve, I think they're all deserving of a one seed at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of of how hard that tournament is to win, and they're all already in the top ten. Um, next one, uh, moving from guy to guy, and you didn't have a lot of a lot of guy info there for us, but uh, we got Kansas State beating number nine Baylor seventy five sixty five. Um, Baylor somehow moves up two spots though because obviously they beat Texas, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, this was a really good one for Marquise Noel. Obviously, he didn't have as many points as he usually does, putting up 14, but he got the double-double with the 10 assists, so really impressive from him being able to. When he didn't get something going for himself, he was able to get something going for the team, and that's what counted. I I really think he's the X factor for Kansas State right Mm -hmm. now, and he's the reason why they're able to win these games with the help of Keontae Johnson especially, putting up 25 points. I... I'm a big fan of this Kansas State team. I like the purple guys. Yeah, they're fun, and, you know, Jerome Tang's cool. The Octagon of Doom's a tough place to play. It struck again this week. I mean, Baylor's been a top-10 team about all year long, and they fall here. So, uh, yeah, it's just another case of a Big 12 team holding serve at home. Yeah, and then we can talk about Texas here. A loss to Baylor, 81-72, but a win against Iowa State, 72-54. Big win over a ranked team there, but uh, losing later in the week to Baylor. Iowa State has fallen off. They, they really have. They have really fallen off. Like they're, I believe they're out of the poll this week because they mm-hmm. just cannot seem to get it right. Yeah. Uh, so that's a good win for Texas. And Baylor, I was not expecting them to win at Baylor. I just thought that it would be too tough, but... Keontae George did go down with an injury, so I did think that that might help out Texas a little bit, but apparently it didn't. Yeah, this Baylor team, I they're really good. I This Big 12 is really exciting all the way around. This conference has just been phenomenal all season long, and it's 
is somehow it has heated up even deeper into the season. I really, I really don't know what direction this tournament's going to go. But like you were saying, Iowa State's fallen off a cliff. Yeah, and they lost to Oklahoma but, at home this week. Yeah, yeah. and they put by up, eleven. Yeah, they put up fifty points in that game, fifty-four in the Texas game. This team cannot do anything yeah. offensively. O- Oklahoma's so strange though because they are a team that's below five hundred right now. But they managed to get these weird ranked wins like that one Literally over Alabama. Though. Like, what? what is that? Both of these Oklahoma teams, them yeah. and OSU. They Oklahoma <laughs> State's a little bit more reasonable, but Oklahoma's yeah. just out there. Like, what is Porter Moser doing out there? <laughs> Whatever he's doing, it's almost working, I guess. Not really working. Well, it's not working when... What are you, 13 and 16 Yeah, right he's, he's not <laughs> doing the and best. He's got some bad losses, but he's also got these wins that just don't make any they, kind of sense massive then, resume yeah, building wins yeah like he's beat west virginia uh he went toe-to-toe with kansas uh 75 79 beat texas tech uh, went toe-to-toe with texas 7069 <laughs> it makes no sense yeah i mean maybe it's a it's just a talent issue and he can kind of get these guys riled up for some of these games but uh in the long stretch they're they're not there to to kind of be super great over the course of a season i mean I don't think anyone's necessarily out on Porter Moser yet, but definitely no. Been a, a it's it's just weird with him. Yeah, give him a little bit of time, and I think yeah. he'll be all right. Yep. Um, we'll head out west. Uh, really, the only game we're talking about out west because the the Pac-12 has been pretty boring this year, outside of Arizona and UCLA, and and one of those teams are, are who we're talking about here, Arizona State beating Arizona on a half court buzzer beater, eighty nine eighty eight. After Arizona had just hit like a semi buzzer beater right before Arizona State comes back, puts it right back on their face, half court buzzer beater to beat their rival on the road. Yeah, this one is really special for Arizona State, silencing uh, the Wildcats at home. And it's been a tough place to play this year, the McHale Center. So this one's really, really good for Arizona State. Huge win for them. Uh, will definitely help them out come tournament time. This this Arizona State team has actually been pretty solid. And that rivalry is actually one of the better ones out west for sure. Those party schools really like to hate each other. Yeah, the Sun Devils have been very solid for the most part this year. They've just lacked some of these resume builder wins, and this is, of course, one that you'll look back on come tournament time if you're the committee, and you know that you may give them the nod. I mean, it, if you if they get in, USC has to get in, and maybe my prediction from last week has to be wrong, but. You know, the, the Pac-12, it would be really boring if a power conference only got two teams in. It'd yeah. be ridiculous. Uh, yeah. well, at, Deserved, a, but ridiculous. Yes. Obviously, this this may change when the next one comes out, but as of Friday, Gilinardi's last bracketology, he had USC on the uh, on the last four in line, and obviously UCLA and Arizona end, so he did not even have Arizona State in the, in the bubble yet. So, But this probably brings them into the bubble. They probably have some more work to do if they want to make the tournament. Um... We'll end here with the ACC. We'll end with the more exciting game. But first, we're going to talk about Virginia losing two games uh, to Carolina and to Boston College. College. Tough week for Virginia at number six. They drop all the way back to 13. Yeah, this was just a really difficult week for Virginia. And they were not able to get the offense going at all, really, in either games. More so in the UNC one, but... That Boston College game was a stinker for Virginia, putting up only 48 points against a team that's been under 500 for most of the season. Not just most of the season, but for the better part of like 15 years. Yeah. That's part of it. I mean, if you lose by 15 to Boston College, you're 
for the most part, you are not a top 25 team. Yeah. Like the that, ACC has. Uh, the ACC. Because kinda, we thought, we thought you know, Virginia was by f- default like the number one team now since, you know, UNC and Duke have had their struggles. But, of course, that happens. And now we've got Pittsburgh sitting here at the one spot. And yeah. nobody had Pittsburgh on their radar going into the season. It's crazy. Uh, but you know that I'm I'm honestly getting really tired of start of talking about UNC. I really yeah. am because now you give them that quad one win, and now you make the committee reconsider, and you make them say, "Oh, we know what they can do. We should let them in." Don't let them in, committee, please. Yeah, this is a team that probably does not deserve to make it, but Hubie Davis is pulling out all the stops, and I bought myself some new shoes this weekend. They're new balances, but they do have a little bit of Carolina blue on them to commemorate that Hubert Davis victory to help prove me right that he is, in fact, the best coach in the country and will miraculously turn this team around and win the tournament. But I do kind of want to go back to that BC game because I I saw a graphic earlier today. I think the last time Boston College was in the tournament was around 2008. So this is one of the longest tournament droughts. Like I'm saying, better part of 15 years, they've been below 500. Yeah, no. So that, that one's so ugly for Virginia, and I don't know where to go from there. But ACC has crapped the bed this week. Uh, Miami, too. We got to cover that one. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that was what I was saving for last year. Um, but but with Virginia, obviously, they're a lock for the tournament. Clearly, probably a lock for a top four seed at this point because they, well, who knows at this point, but they shouldn't have any trouble winning a couple ACC tournament games. I, I would expect to see them in the championship, if not be champion of that tournament. Um, and, and obviously, Carolina probably has to, to pick up a ranked win or two in that tournament if, if they want to make the, the NCAA tournament. Um, but, yeah, we can talk about Miami losing to Florida State on a buzzer beater. Leonard Hamilton's 9-20 and 20, uh, Seminoles. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> There's not much to celebrate here for them. That's, that's cool <laughs> that they had a buzzer beater against Miami. Beat your ACC in-state rival. I mean, good for you, but you're 9-20. and 20. I, it was it added to the excitement of the day, but I I do not care about this. Good for you, Miami's the ACC stinks. Miami's not as good as you think they are. Um, they are a one man team and Isaiah Wong, and they lost to the nine and twenty <laughs> Florida State Seminoles. This one is hilarious to me because even though they're a one man team, <laughs> Isaiah Wong's not even the leading scorer on the day. Jordan Miller takes that title for Miami. I. I was taking my words back about Miami, saying, "Okay, maybe they are pretty good." I, I mean, I'm not saying they're bad, but uh, they're this not loss bad. Is bad. You can't not, lose to this. They're not the bad, worst Florida State yeah. team in like 20 years at yeah, home. Exactly. That's that's the kicker. Is it's at home. There's no reason to lose this one. I uh, Miami's back on fraud watch for me. I don't think they're that good at all. The ACC stinks. It's perhaps the worst conference in a million years, and I think they should just disband and all move to better conferences. Yeah, I mean, which at this point probably includes this, the Sun Belt. This doesn't. This does not take Leonard Hamilton off the hot seat at all, Keegan. I don't think. I mean, this. It, you just got lucky with this one. It's there's nothing. You're not. You're not getting to the NIT because mm-hmm. you beat Miami on the road. Which, speaking of coaches on the hot seat, mine got fired this week. Yep, Kermit, Kermit Davis, Davis is, is out at Ole Miss. Gone, which I'm sure everyone in uh, Oxford is celebrating. Yes, definitely. Yeah, he is. He's not had a good time this year at all. Yeah, and I mean that program. You could tell that was going that way for a while. Obviously, this past off season, they had a bunch of people transfer out, and and this season kind of 
felt like if, if he didn't do something well with it, uh, they were done. And, and that is clearly the case. And uh, I think uh, Ole Miss, other than baseball, is, is just kind of struggling right now. Right. I mean, I don't know where their football program's going. They got three dudes that are uh, going to play quarterback for them this year. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting, the whole Lane Kiffin saga, because for a while it was trending very much upward, and now it feels like it's kind of hit a wall, and everyone has... Uh, what Lane Kiffin was doing is he was kind of bringing that swag or whatever, and it feels like all the coaches have adopted that whole thing, and now Lane Kiffin's no longer this unique hip guy and the recruits don't seem to love him as much yeah you know your your sports school's in a bad place when you got to lean on a on a second tier sport sorry baseball fans um <laughs> we will move to what's coming up this week uh do want to mention tucker wanted me to mention the we got some mid-major madness starting yes Obviously some, the atlantic sun the uh, atlantic sun tournament starts today i like watching it but i'm going to be honest i'm not tuning into no. the championship game we'll we'll just mm-hmm. dis- we'll discuss who you know wins yeah. all these like who gets their tickets punched but like outside of that there's uh, not much excitement this to week it. Yeah. this weekend i will watch the championship games i p- try to watch like pretty much all the conference tournament championship games especially these ones are sometimes more exciting because obviously you yeah. have to win to make it in and but, you don't uh, you just don't know who's going to do it because like you could have a great team in the regular season but then say you get this like yeah. team that's been a bottom feeder all season long and then they find their way into the ncaa tournament as a 16 playing in dayton somehow so yeah. i remember the the umbc vermont won a couple of years ago before umbc's rome was pretty cool uh so that they're always exciting but the first round matchups in these tournaments are usually pretty bad because the good teams get buys you're like looking bottom barrel teams bottom barrel conferences so it's not uh not quite the best basketball, uh, to say the least. No. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll look into that. Obviously, stay tuned if you're interested in any of those. Um, we'll hop into to some games happening this week. Uh, I guess we'll start. We'll start. Uh, we'll start with Clemson at number thirteen, Virginia. Virginia on a bit of a cold streak. So is Clemson. They're, they've kind of clawed their way back up a little bit with with, with a win over NC State. And who who did they beat this week? Um, let me pull up Clemson's schedule real quick. No one notable. I'll, I'll they, say they that. won by twenty at yeah. NC State, which is a pretty significant win. Yes, yes. I would say. But uh, I don't know what their other their other game okay, was. Okay, they beat they beat Syracuse. Yeah, uh, so I mean, Syracuse is fine. Yeah. They're not so, great, but, but they're not a tournament team. They got back into the getting votes section of the AP poll, so they're in a, they're in a decent spot. I mean, they're a tournament team. Uh, on the road of Virginia, especially Virginia coming off two losses, I don't see Virginia losing this game. I'll I'll take the. So what are they? The Wahoos? Yes, the Wahoos. Mm-hmm. Oh, isn't Virginia the Cavaliers too? Do they got like multiple mascots? Well, they I refer to themselves as the Wahoos. They are the Cavaliers. Yeah, though. it's like it's like Auburn. Yes. Like Auburn's mascots, not the eagle. They're the the tiger. Tigers. I'll be the Tiger. Say, well, yeah, you know, it's. I think it's that sort of situation. Fair enough, I guess. I I don't see Virginia dropping this one. I either. mean, Tennessee's not the hound dogs. No, or the volunteers. So I think. <laughs> I mean, we, we have a similar situation here, I guess. I, I suppose so, but we don't call ourselves the Tennessee Smokies. So, uh, But I don't see Virginia really losing this one. Uh, Clemson's been good. They haven't been great. Virginia needs to get back. I think Bennett's a good enough coach to where they do. Give me Virginia like 62 to 58. Yeah, it'll be low scoring. It'll be something like that. Yeah, no, I think uh, you're not off in, in, in that kind of... Uh, in that space, and I, I did just look it up. So Virginia is the the Wahoos because the they use the Wahoo yell as a as like a 
chant during their baseball games. And so it's kind of more like the fans are more the team is the Wahoos as well, but it's more like the fans gave themselves in the program that name, I guess. Yeah. Well, they say go Wahoos when they uh, sing their little fight songs. Yeah. So, so I yeah. think it's more for fight songs and stuff like that. Uh, next one here, Iowa at number 15, Indiana. Uh, the two teams, Michigan State, played this last week uh, facing off here. Don't see Indiana losing at home against Iowa. Iowa is a team that obviously can score a lot of points, but uh, they play zero defense and Trace Jackson Davis and uh, and H- Jalen Hoodsfino. So that's a <laughs> interesting name. Um, we'll have a field day with Iowa's defense and score like 30 points each. I, I like Indiana here fairly easily. They might have a field day with their defense, but does it matter if Iowa's coach is staring down the referee as his team drills 10 of 500 threes? See, I didn't even bring that up because I didn't want to bring attention to that that uh, that kind of behavior that's just inappropriate <laughs> from a coach. You shouldn't be disrespecting the officials like that. Yeah, no, that was that was pretty goofy. Um, but this Iowa team, uh, I really do think they have a shot to win this one. I think to me, they're a team that has a shot to win any game just because if you have a team that can print money from the three line every once in a while, if you strike gold, you beat just about anyone because it's really hard to match that level of production. Yeah, uh, this is an interesting one. It's going to be a high-scoring affair. It was a high-scoring affair in Iowa City earlier in the year. I mean, they I think Indiana got up big, but then Iowa was clawing back the whole way and ended up winning that game, so... This time around, I'm going to say Indiana gets it done at Assembly Hall. I just don't see a way Iowa wins it on the road. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. I think it'll be a high-scoring game. And like you guys are saying, Trace Jackson Davis, Jalen hood Shafino, the Hyphen brothers, they'll get it done. For sure. Um, I, I guess we got a little uh, Dominic action here. Uh, San Diego State at Boise State. Uh are your Boise State boys uh, have a chance to, to take down the number one team in the Mountain West? They definitely do. I mean, Boise State's had one of their best seasons in quite some time here. Uh, just the Mountain West has been... I feel like you haven't been bringing them up enough for me to to think they've been having one of their... I feel like you'd be championing them more if they, if they were having one of their best seasons of all time. Well, it's I wouldn't say it's their best season of all time, but it's just one of their best seasons because of the fact that the Mountain West has actually been quite good this season. Mm. Boise State, they are. Uh, I need to pull up their record real quick. They just lost. I didn't know they're right. This is a fake fan. Uh, over here. <laughs> well, I, I, there's so much to keep track of with college basketball. I know what's going on with them, and I know that they just lost to San Jose State in overtime. Mm. Uh, they're now 22 and seven, but this is a team that has been really solid all Who's season. Who's Boise long. State's leading scorer? Uh, it's got to be between Dagenhart and Max Rice, maybe Marcus Shaver Jr. They've been trading off points a lot in recent games. Uh, Max Rice had like a 30-piece the other day, and he's actually the coach's son. So that's a really interesting dynamic. But, yeah, against New Mexico, uh, Max Rice put up 30 points, seven boards, two assists. This is a very solid Boise State team. And San Diego State... They've been really good all season long, too, and San Diego State is an interesting matchup for Boise State because SDSU has always been able to make their threes, and they have a team that does focus a lot on shooting the three ball. Last time these two met, uh, San Diego State won at home by 20. It was a bit of a landslide, but I really do think Boise State has a chance to turn it around here. Uh, I just This is a fun matchup. I think Boise State takes it. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you here because San Diego State 
we didn't mention this. They threw up a buzzer beater against New Mexico this weekend. I don't think you get that lucky two games in a row. I'm going to go with Boise State here. Yeah, and uh, Boise State did just beat New Mexico recently, and I believe that was actually in the pit, too. So this... The Patino pit? Uh, No, never mind. It, it was not. But still a really impressive win, considering how good those five teams in the Mountain West have been this season. Yeah, I'll take the Aztecs. They're leaps and bounds uh, better than everyone else in the Mountain West. They're, they're really the only lock for the Are tournament. Are they now? I mean, I don't know. Is they're the only? I mean, Mountain West is highly competitive. I tell. Is there anyone else in, in the Mountain West who's can go to the tournament? Nevada, New Mexico, maybe. I mean, Boise yeah, State. Nevada is in there. Nevada could make it. Yeah. Uh, Utah State is fourth in the conference. They've been good in conference. They haven't been great outside yeah. of it. No, I mean, I think what they they have like three teams realistically, right? I mean, it's which is not bad. No, but yeah, I, I mean, I feel like San Diego State's just better. I'll, I'll take them on the road. Um. We have a Big East matchup here, Xavier at Providence. This is certainly a fun one. Uh, these two teams clashed pretty hard the last time they met, I believe. I can't remember who came out on top, but I like Ed Cooley and the Friars. Uh, I just I think that Ed Cooley's put together a pretty solid program up at Providence, and they, they tend to win their home games. Yeah, you were the biggest Ed Cooley admirer that I know, Dominic. Um, <laughs> outside of Hubert Davis, he's obviously your your close second guy. Exactly. Yes, yes, you would. You really enjoy it, you some Ed Cooley. Uh, but with this one being at home, I think Xavier did win the first game. It was a very competitive game. I do remember that. So with this being at home for the Friars, I'll, I'll take Providence. Yeah, I, I think the Big East is a conference when when it's a kind of a an even matchup. When you're looking at kind of the top half of this Big East conference, they're kind of all in the same realm except for for Marquette, who's kind of separating themselves. So I think the home team is definitely your your better bet here. Um, Texas on the road against TCU. Um, I feel like this is one you know where where Texas is is a team that that took a tough loss to Baylor last week, but obviously picked up the bigger win against Iowa State, and they're a team that, like I mentioned, if they win out, they can get that one seed. You can't drop this game to TCU and have that be the thing that, that makes you probably stuck on the three or, or two line for Texas. Give me Texas going on the road, getting a big win, and, and allowing themselves to kind of be set up to, to fight for a one seed in the in the second week of March. I actually like TCU in this one because both of their guys are back now, and they have they were back in the last game. But what guys? Uh, Mike Miles is the guy. Yeah, and then Lampkin. Lampkin uh, hasn't been as good, but Mike Miles he has is a very vital role player for this team. Yeah, he hasn't been as good, but those two together have been really solid on the court together. And last game, they didn't get their full minutes, and I think this is probably the first one where they do in a while. It's at home. It's towards the end of the season. TCU wants to stay in that top 25 conversation really badly. I mean... Because they've been drifting out for a while now, and this is the game where they kind of need to pull it together and get back into the zone. I just feel like there's more motivation for Texas, right? If TCU loses, like, for TCU, this is, you know, whatever, a a six seed versus a seven seed. For Texas, this is a one seed versus, like, a three seed. I think it matters more for Texas right now. TCU is kind of locked in that seven seed range, and le- obviously barring, you know, a, a tournament win. So I think this matters more for Texas. Yeah, I am going to go with my guy here, 
I got to go there with my you guy go. here. Yes. He's finally picking because this guy. No, I, I picked my guy last week against <laughs> Texas Tech. Once. Could, you picked him once. I couldn't do it against Kansas, but yes, this is twice now that I've picked the mm. guy. I have to pick the guy, Mike Miles, here because it's a home game. They lost a tough one earlier at Texas in the season. There's a revenge factor. I always like the revenge factor when it's at home. Give me the frogs. All right. Um, last one for the week before we move to some weekend games. Uh, a lot of senior nights and uh, and kind of these final matchups happening on the weekend. But uh, last week game here, got a game out west, Arizona at USC. Uh, Arizona needs this win bad to, to get that two seed in the tournament. USC somehow still has a chance for that. Yeah, this is a bizarre one because Arizona has been a little bit up and down in the Pac-12, which you don't really want to see in a conference that hasn't been that great this season. But I do like I do like the Wildcats to get it done against USC. I don't think USC is that good of a team, and especially not defensively. And Arizona is a team that's relied entirely on their offense and nothing else. These guys can definitely outscore the Trojans. Yeah, I think Boogie Ellis, of course, will be a huge factor in this game, as will Drew Peterson for USC. But I just think that Arizona is going to overwhelm them a little bit. I think they're going to assert that dominance that they are above everybody else outside of UCLA in the conference. So I'm going to go with the Wildcats. I'll I'll say bear down here, even though it's it's, it's just weird. Like why why do they have that chant for? That one is an interesting story because I applied to the University of Arizona, got in, of course. I mean, who doesn't? But um, that it's it's got something to do with like in the eighties, uh, some guy with like a nickname Bear, I think, died in like this drunk driving accident, and now they say Bear Down. It's it's an interesting story, but that's why there was some tragedy in the eighties. Yeah, I mean, Arizona kind of fumbled the bag a little bit this week, losing to Arizona State, uh, but got a chance to recover and still grab that two seed. Now, I mean, two first three seed doesn't even matter that much because you play each other. But uh, anyways, they, they, they would like this win to get the two seed and make the, the route a little bit easier. But I don't even know if they do they have double buys, I guess. So it matters a little bit. But, yeah. Uh, it'll make – I mean, I guess it's, it's playing the – it's like playing the – I don't even know what seed they play. The yeah, it's not anybody higher than a four, so it shouldn't matter here. Yeah, it's but not, it's Arizona, not a big difference. But. Arizona's lost some weird games this year, though, yeah. so you don't know. Never it could know. be weird. Mm-hmm. Um, head into the weekend, got the uh, you know final weekend of the of the regular season, so so got some big stuff happening. Alabama at Texas A and M. You mentioned that that you know Texas A and M still kind of fighting for that one seed, but. Like we said, if, if Alabama takes care of business at Auburn, uh, that's kind of all but moot. Uh, Texas A&M, an, another team, bumbling the bag. If they would have just taken care of business at Mississippi State, this would have been a fight for that one seed, but it's really not anymore as long as Alabama beats Auburn. Um, but I think a- anyway, Alabama's good enough to, to go into Texas A&M and get a win. Honestly, I like Texas A&M in this one. Uh, just with everything that's gone on at the Alabama program lately, somehow it's gotten even worse in uh, the last game with the whole uh, pat down. Yeah, except uh, it hasn't gotten any worse on the court. They've actually yeah, gotten better. I know. That's the have thing. They? Well, have they gotten better? True, because you can contest They've, that going to overtime with South Carolina. They didn't lose. Is I don't know. Brandon Miller scored forty-one points. They struggled with Arkansas at home, and like I, I'm not saying Arkansas is a bad team, but you shouldn't struggle with a team yeah. like that at home. I don't think. I don't know. But before, the pressure, the pressure. Like it's not like they too. were like amazing before they lost to us. They lost to Oklahoma. Like I. 
I don't know if they're, they're doing anything differently now, but I don't, I don't know if they are either, but I do think that the pressure continues to kind of build a little bit sure. from that situation, especially going to a place like Texas A&M where they got 3 million coordinated chance that they're going to be doing in your ear the entire game. I, I think that the Aggies got a good shot to pull this one off and I, I'm going to take them in this one. But again, it's a similar situation where one versus two doesn't matter that much. I think Alabama just for like bragging rights would, would much rather win the regular season, obviously. Um, but, uh, either way, I mean, you're going to play Texas or 10 or not, you're going to play Kentucky or Tennessee. Those Kentucky and Tennessee are kind of fighting for that three seed. I think with, with the way it plays out right now, Tennessee's four and Kentucky's three is probably going to be the more likely situation, but, uh, you never know. Uh, Kentucky could, could drop the game to Vanderbilt. I'm going to go with the Aggies here as well. Uh, just because I think that they're a tough team to beat in Aggie land. So they, yeah, they haven't lost a game all year this year out there. I I don't think in conference play. So this should be a one that they can they can pull off against Alabama. I I don't see them uh, just the way that Alabama's progressed after the whole Brandon Miller situation came out. I don't like it necessarily, and I think A and M is going to get this one. Kansas at Texas uh, for Texas senior night. This is a tough draw for both these games. You don't want to play the number three team in the country in your senior night, and if you're Kansas trying to earn that that one seed in the Big 12 and, and the one seed in the NCAA tournament, you don't want to face a top 10 team on their senior night. So tough draw for both these teams. I think on a senior night, you give it to the home team, especially when they're a good team like Texas. I think so too. I'm taking Texas in this one, kind of more so just sticking with the rule that we've come up with for the Big 12, where the home team is usually going to be the team that comes out on top. I feel like Kansas has been the exception for that though. It's true. It's true. Yeah. But this is one where I do think that Texas just does prevail. Yeah, a lot of times that has been the case, but I'm going to go with Texas as well because Texas played a great game up at the Fog, even though they came up short. So that, with that happening, I think they'll be able to pull it off at home this time around. Mm-hmm. And uh, and both these teams lost to Tennessee. Yep. Uh, number 25, Pittsburgh at number 16, Miami. Um, two teams that have, have been in that kind of top realm of the ACC. Pittsburgh's been trending much more upwards, while Miami's been t- trending a bit more downwards. Uh, because of that, I like Pittsburgh, even though it's on the road at Miami on a senior night. Clearly, their home court advantage isn't that great if you're losing the 9-20 and 20 Leonard Hamilton. Yeah, no one cares about anything that Miami does. Uh, they have no fans I just think that they're one of the most ridiculous college football programs. I think they're one of the most ridiculous yeah, no, college I, basketball I, programs. I feel like the the people who go to Miami don't go there because of sports. Like, I've talked to some people who went to Miami, and they're like, yeah, I just wanted to go to Miami because I wanted to go live in Miami, like South Florida. They're not going there because Miami is, like, the school they want to be at. Like, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to Wisconsin, you're going to care about Wisconsin because – you're going to Madison, Wisconsin. If you're going to Miami, Florida, I don't think uh, what's going on in the the basketball arena is your number one priority. Yeah, I I think that their home court and their home field advantages are literally nothing. I take Pittsburgh in this one for sure. Well, the football, they have a bit of an excuse because you have to drive there from campus. Like, you can't walk. It is most definitely a drive. I've actually driven just about that on when I was down there for the Orange Bowl. Uh, But, yeah, I, I like Pittsburgh here as well, too. I mean, I'm not going to diversify our pick city. They've got some guys, I believe, that are scheduled to come back from some injuries that they've sustained for just over the course of the season. And, uh, you know, I, I really like the way this team's played. They've played like, you know, they haven't had the target on their back. No one really expected them to do this well. 
it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Tennessee team that had Grant Williams that was projected number 13 in the SEC media poll and then blew up. So I like Pittsburgh because, you know, no one expected them to be here. Sure. Um, last one here before we get to, to Tennessee, um, another top 10 senior night matchup. Seems like I guess they kind of try to do these a little bit. I feel like if I was a team, I wouldn't want this. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess with Tennessee, you, you kind of tried to, to do it as well. I guess the beginning of the season, you probably would have thought that this would have been a ranked matchup uh, against Arkansas, but uh, but didn't end up being the case. Um, but uh, number eight, Arizona at number four, UCLA, UCLA. UCLA wins easily on senior night here against Arizona. Yeah, I'm definitely taking the Bruins in this one. Uh, UCLA has just been such a better team uh, than Arizona. They've been way more consistent. They've played both sides of the ball. They haven't just been an offensive powerhouse and nothing else. I think that UCLA just has way more of an actual team identity, and Arizona just kind of is a bunch of guys running around playing pickup ball-style basketball. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the fact that both like one team is significantly better than the other. Dom, like you said, it's consistency, and Mick Cronin has been very consistent. Arizona, you see all these weird, funky losses to teams like Washington State and Utah on the schedule, and you know you don't see that with UCLA. And with this game being at UCLA, I just don't see a way the Bruins lose. Yeah, no, I feel like UCLA, despite being in a trash conference, is a lock for a one seed in the tournament right now. Mm-hmm. This, unless they completely collapse, but I don't see that happening. Um, move on to, to Tennessee. Talked about this a little bit. Tennessee senior night, uh, a home game against Arkansas coming up tomorrow. Uh, I think this this is a game that that Tennessee. I don't want to say really needs, but uh, but it'd be nice to kind of just see this team return to form against a team that's not South Carolina. Um, Arkansas obviously hasn't lived up to expectations this season, but they're still a 19-win team. They're still competent. Yeah. You know, they just haven't got any big wins. So I think uh, getting this win and kind of having a good defensive performance against Arkansas would do huge things for Tennessee, uh, and, and I think they're able to do that, especially on senior night. I like Tennessee at home. Yeah, they're a good team, but Tennessee is just a lot better than Arkansas. And Arkansas just, it's not been their season. They've been kind of unlucky in a way with injuries and whatnot. The must bus fell off as we've covered (laughs) earlier in the season. So I I definitely take the Vols in this one. Yeah, I think this is a must win for Tennessee. I'm going to pick Tennessee to win this one. They really need to take care of business in both games this week, which is going to be tough. Uh, but, you know, Arkansas, they got Nick Smith Jr. back, and he's played really, really well for them in his time back. I mean, he's scoring minimum 20 points a game for this team. So it's going to be a challenge for Tennessee, but I think they can they can do it. For sure. And then the second one here for Tennessee, heading to Auburn for Auburn senior night. Got to get this win on the road. Auburn has been pretty bad. They just got, whatever, what is it, 30-piece by Kentucky somewhere in that yep, range. Yeah, 86-54. Mm-hmm. Got to beat this Auburn team on the road. Even though it's their senior night, this is a game you can't drop. Yeah, I I don't think that there's any way Auburn wins this one. A Tennessee is just going to dominate Auburn yet again. Auburn's not had the best of seasons either. They're kind of in the same boat as Arkansas, where Arkansas and Auburn, they were projected to be really good SEC teams yet again. Rankings loved them for a while, and then just fell off. There was no real upward direction from last season. I will pick Tennessee here as well because I just don't think there's anything special about Auburn. Like I don't look at one dude on that Auburn team and be like, that dude's a difference maker because you just don't see that with this Auburn team for some reason. And Like, like we're saying, Tennessee's got to get this done too because 
right now the teams that are chasing them in the SEC, Auburn's one of them for that four seed. I don't think they'll get it because they play at Alabama. Unfortunately for Tennessee, Missouri plays both Ole Miss and LSU this week. So that's a bit of a gift wrap for them. So that basically means Tennessee's got to win both of these games. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think to to get to get up to the three, you you need Kentucky to lose one. If I'm yeah, correct. yeah, they play. They, they do play, play at Arkansas they play this Van, weekend. They play at home against Vanderbilt and then at yeah, Arkansas. Vanderbilt's an interesting one too because I I don't think they're going to get that spot at all. But they they're a team that could win the tournament. They got a fighting chance to win the SEC tournament. Yeah, um, and we will we will preview all of that next week when we we have uh. When the SEC tournament brackets come out, I mean, I guess it's not, you know, it's not we'll, made. We'll know Sunday. Yeah, we'll know basically. Sunday. Like, I guess we'll, we'll know right when the last game happens. So yeah. on Monday, uh, we'll be able to, to kind of take a look at that as, as well as all the power five. We'll, we'll figure out what we want to do next week. I mean, I think that next week there will be a lot to, to do, a lot to talk about. I think, I don't know what, what you guys think, but I think definitely talk about some, some mid-major champions that have yeah. been crowned. We'll mm-hmm. know that. And then we can recap if anything crazy happens, but I think we we spend most of the time kind of breaking down oh, these, yeah. these brackets. brackets yeah. Having brackets in front of you is mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, it's um, the best feeling. But yeah, the next time that uh, that we hop on these microphones, it will it will be March. So yep. so super excited about that. Thirty uh, something hours left. Yeah, I think uh, my, our guy John Rothstein's. You can uh, follow for hour by hour updates <laughs> in case you don't understand how clocks and calendars work. Um, <laughs> If that's not you, though, uh, just just look. I believe February is twenty eight days, so we're we're, we're closing in uh, two days away. Uh, we will see you guys next Monday when it is March. So, so dead.